All right, we're here today with Ruben Gomez of BidSketch. And Ruben, can you go ahead and kind of give us a background of how you got to start up BidSketch and a little bit about it and where it is now? Sure. So uh, BidSketch is a web app that uh, helps people create, send, and track uh, client proposals right now. So it's been around about six years, six and a half years, something like that. And I started it off as uh, I was working a full-time job. So I started that off uh, working nights and weekends. And uh, after we launched, I did that for about a year and a half. Uh, at that point, it could replace my salary. And then I quit the job. And then over the next few years, sort of experimented with working with everybody as contractors and then went to full-time employees. Um, and now the team is about... Uh, three Rails developers, one customer success person, and myself. Then contractors for writing, design, and, and development and stuff. Nice, right on. So, like, when you got started, were you setting out to create a full-time business escape plan for yourself, or was it more of I'm going to toy around with a side project? How did it fit into your life, and what was your vision for it when you started? Uh, so when I started, I was working on, a, on another product that was meant for like the enterprise for, so the, I would be selling to like executives, maybe team, uh, uh, team leaders or, or managers and stuff. Um, and that was taking a long time and it was slow and it was really boring. Um, and, uh, then I, I, Remember, I had to help a friend create a client proposal. Uh, I was looking for something to help him with that. I thought there has to be something like FreshBooks. There wasn't. Uh, I thought, ah, oh, this is nuts. This, you know, like there really isn't. Um, and I did some keyword research, and nobody was searching because at that point I had started reading about marketing and stuff. So I'm like, okay, um, there's this SEO stuff, and, and uh, nobody was searching for proposal software. So then even I thought, oh, maybe people are searching for templates. So then uh, I, they were searching for templates. I thought, okay, I could probably turn some of that into into uh, into customers. And uh, so that's sort of how I, how I came up with uh, the idea and the product initially. And I, I thought I remember having a conversation with with this friend and uh, telling him, no, it's um, it's it's probably not going to be that big. For some reason, I just felt like it wasn't going to be a really big thing. It wouldn't be big enough to replace my salary. I just told them that I that I wanted to to learn to experiment, so I could do it again and yeah. uh, in a bigger fashion and be able to replace my salary. So that was that was the goal initially. And once you got started and it started getting going, you explicitly were working with everybody as contractors rather than hire starting to hire people. What was the what was your thinking about? Because I had a lot of similar thoughts. What were your thinking behind that decision, and why did it change? And how is it different now that you're working with full time people in good ways, bad ways, all of that? Yeah. So uh, initially, it was it was pretty natural thing. I I couldn't afford to hire somebody full time, so it was yeah. just uh, part time uh, contract dev to help build it. Um, and then mainly every step of the way, I've just felt like I wanted to make sure not to create a job for myself. Yeah. So every step of the way I wanted, 
and that idea of having a team or hiring. So even when I when I had enough revenue to hire the first person, um, I just I, I really uh, rejected that idea. I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to have to like show up at nine and then you know wait till we do a full day's worth of work and then then uh, feel like it's okay to leave because if I hire somebody full time then my thought was that they'd expect me to be there and if all the time and if I wasn't they wouldn't be motivated and they they would feel they wouldn't uh, you know they'd complain about it or something like that yeah it's definitely so, scary yeah so <laughs> the expectations were were just you know that's what that's what I was thinking, and so it was really easy for me to, to say, okay, I'm going to work with people that are just contractors and uh, keep it that way. And eventually, you know, I started working with, uh, we grew and grew, and um, there was several, everyone was a contractor, and it was just me. That was working okay, but the thing that I found with contractors were, was that um, it, was, it was hard to just, like, have this core team that knew everything was really invested in, mm-hmm. in developing and growing the product and really excited about stuff. Um, and I felt like I wanted to give that a try and I thought about it by then uh, long enough to realize that um, I wouldn't be setting myself up for for that type of environment because it's my company. Mm-hmm. I can do what, it, like, you know, if I, if I end up, in, um, creating uh, that type of an environment, it's my fault. I'm the one that did that. So I hired full, uh, the first full-time person was support. And I just set the expectations uh, from the beginning. Like, um, I don't work like full days. Sometimes, you know, I'm not here. Uh, this is this is how uh, I expect, like anyone on the team, this is how we're going to work together. Uh, just your, you know, the person, anyone that joins the team is going to be able to, they won't need guidance all the time. Like I'll, I'll show you a bunch of stuff initially and, and you'll be good, but I prefer to work to, with people that can just, that like to work alone or um, better said, that like they're independent yeah. and, and don't need a, a bunch of handholding, right? So uh, with that sort of expectation set, it was really easy to 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 make the switch to full-time and i asked a lot of people uh that had full-time employees and um and every single one of them said don't don't switch <laughs> don't hire uh stay with contractors and i get it because uh there there then uh has this uh, you have this responsibility of like team building and mm-hmm. so it's it's it is a little different in some ways uh and i'm not the most I'm not the type of person or uh, leader or uh, uh, anything like that that uh, will be like, "Hey, team, let's go!" Yeah. And, you know, that's not that's not me. Uh, it never has been me. Uh, so the way that I've just sort of um, the way that I've dealt with that is that I've made sure to hire people that have like that sort of an energy or you know. Uh, I hire for personalities that can sort of uh, fill the gaps, right? Yeah. So that's been super helpful as well. That's that's so huge because I'm learning from you just from comparing my time at Sifter. I was like, I totally should have thought that way as well, but it's easier said than done after the fact. 
Um, yeah, it's easier to look to look back when you're look for the long. It took me a long time to to get to that. And is everybody remote? Yep, everyone's yeah. remote. Distantly remote, or how often do y'all get together? Uh, once a year. So okay. uh, we have a company retreat. Uh, yeah, one person's in Portland, so I'm in Portland right now, uh, and another one's in Texas, another one's in uh, Philly. And one is actually from California, but living in uh, Thailand right now. Okay. And how do you handle all that? Because there's paperwork out the wazoo with yeah. full-time people in different states. How do you handle all that and not go crazy? Uh, outsource as much as possible. So benefits and paychecks are what I use for that. Yeah. Still, right. still kind of a pain. Yeah. But uh, but makes it way better. Like you know, I have a bookkeeper, an accountant, and like uh, <laughs> I don't want to be. Spending my all of my time doing that stuff. Yeah, it can quickly consume it, especially once you hire people. You have to switch from a builder mentality to more of a managing a business mentality, and it kind of sucks yeah. the fun out of it if that's not why you got into it in the first place. Yeah, the other thing is is that just managing. I've never felt like I don't like being a manager. I can be an okay manager. Um, I could, but I'm a really bad manager in some ways, actually. So uh, just sit, trying to set everything up so that it's not dependent on me being a good manager is also something that I've thought about, like that. try to think about at every step of the way. Yeah, I think that's so, huge. Like, just not feeling like, well, I can't do this, so I shouldn't do this. Instead, think about it. I'm not good at this, so how can I design this such that it looks past my weaknesses and capitalizes on strengths or that kind of thing. Right. Yep. Yeah. Generally with like, it's, it's, it's pretty easy. Um, it's, it's easy to, to know how to get around that. And it's, but it's hard to, to actually execute, uh, in some way because basically you just hire people like people, yeah. someone who is re a really good leader. Mm -hmm. uh, or manager like, that has that attention to detail and, and doesn't, uh, um, mind doing that stuff, likes doing that stuff. Uh, but finding people that are great at that is the hard part. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of an extension of, of leadership and just your personality. One of the things that we were talking to you about in the past was not, you prefer not to speak at conferences and you don't go seek out attention and use yourself as kind of the face of the business to market the business and grow the business with a personality. Um, a lot of people I'm sure would prefer to do things that way, um, and feel almost like they have to get out there and be outspoken and, and do things, uh, in order to drive traffic in the beginning, because when the company's so small, the founder kind of is, you know, the head of marketing. And that's one of the more natural ways for people to do it. How has that worked out for you by kind of shunning the spotlight and what have you done instead so that you don't have to feel that obligated to do that kind of stuff? I think, um, I think with uh, with software, it's a little easier to do that than um, than with info products. So if you look at info products, you'll notice that personalities is a really big part of of, of selling those info products. The trust and like who's this yeah. information? What's this uh, information coming from? Uh, who's the person that created this? What do they know? Stuff like that. Uh, for tools, it's nice that you can. Focus more on where where's this audience like where are the people that need this tool 
Um, how do I show them that this tool can do what they need yeah. and, and sell that way? Like from a very high level, that's, that's, that's the way that I've just approached marketing. So um, the easiest people to get have always been like, who has the intent? Who's showing, who, sh- who, who is showing this intent? And for us, it's uh, people that are searching for proposal templates. They have proposals to create. Uh, so the intent's really strong there. And uh, the pain is pretty strong as well. Like people hate spending a ton of time creating proposals. So uh, if we can do a good job like even in the very early days when it was just of just showing them that uh, this this can help solve their problems and like leveraging like testimonials and case studies and for that part of it mm-hmm. uh, for the trust building part of it, um, then they'll buy. People try it at least with SaaS products. Well, and you have a, a ton of content on your site that is relevant and I assume that that plays into the SEO and getting a lot of that search intent and then yeah so um yes so like the blog is more useful once we already have them on the email list okay so uh, I think of the blog sort of like remarketing like every time you send an email saying hey we have a new blog post it's kind of like uh reminding them hey uh, we're here, so when when uh, they need us, they can think, oh, okay, yeah, I remember those guys. I need them now. Let me sign up and do a trial. And um, we did a while back. We've done several, but uh, jobs to be done interviews. These are interviews where we focus on um, the story, uh, capturing like what happened when you when you bought the product. Like what was the first thing? What was the first thought you had? Or did you, you know? And they walk us through. Uh, every step of the way. And one of the interesting things that came up a lot during those jobs to be done interviews is, uh, was in, in, in a lot of different ways, but it, the same thing came up over and over, which is like they got an email and that reminded them that we were there. So when they had that need, they signed up or they got an email and, uh, you know, uh, they were, you know, ready for it at that point in time. Like in some way, shape, or form, that story came up over and over and over to where, like, I knew that happened. I didn't know that it happened that much. Yeah, super surprising. So, so much of it is just being front of mind at the right time, and yep. they search for you and stumble across you through Twitter or whatever. And they're like, "Oh, that's neat," but then they forget all about it, and then six months later, whatever, they're like, what was that? I can't even remember. They start Googling and then they find something else and just use that. Yeah. So, uh, and it was uh, another variation on that story was that people had the need. They'd say, well, there's somebody that sends me email that does that. Sometimes they would remember like our name. Sometimes they wouldn't remember our name, our name. They remember something and they'd search their email and uh, find us that way. So how did you initially get them on that newsletter on the list? Uh, so we get, uh, through our homepage, we don't, we don't, uh, so most SaaS homepages are, you know, pretty typical homepages where mm-hmm. you go in there and you have like a trial, like see plans and pricing, you have the trial, you tour pages, all that stuff. So new visitors to our site, when they go to the homepage, they don't, they don't have a way to view pricing. They don't have a way to, uh, view a tour page or features or, you know, um, 
the only thing they can do is get a sample. So mm -hmm. we get their email address. So we get, you know, we have always gotten a lot of emails that way. That's one of the ways that we get a lot of emails. Yeah. Um, and the other way is we provide free proposal templates like per industry, web design, graphic design, uh, SEO, marketing, and we get a lot of emails that way as well. Yeah. Makes sense. I, you know, in some ways, I think there's a lot of a lot of sites that could take that approach where everybody's such a hard sell when you show up, like sign up for our app. I'm like, whoa, 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 we just met. Yep. Like instead of sign up, sign up, sign up, you know, have that option available, but push something like here, here's how we can give you value and then treat sign up as very secondary so you can kind of build that relationship first and then yeah, you're there we, for them when even, they need it. Like hide it. We don't even, it's not even yeah. like yeah. Uh, no, it's secondary. Great. It's just, um, and I've tested this a lot, a lot of different ways, making it, uh, making it more of an option, a visible option, but having it be not as easy to find um, or, or just having both options at once or just having a very direct way to sign up from the homepage. Yeah. And uh, we just always get, we not only, we get more customers uh, sort of slowing things down and, yeah. and showing them why this is valuable. We get more people Upgrading from so there's a ton of friction uh, Signing up for a trial because we ask for a credit card, mm -hmm. right? but we get more people uh, Once they're in a trial mode upgrading from trial to paid uh, If we so sort of slow things down. Yeah, because there's not a single I didn't search it But just skimming it. There's not a single sign up link on your homepage at all. There's pricing But that's it yeah, and even pricing is uh, is only on the footer. So you might you might um, if you if you get the sample, then we'll show the top nav. So okay. I don't know if you've got a sample already, uh, but if you don't get a sample, like if you go in uh, incognito, you don't have a top nav, so you don't. Oh, you don't that's have what it is. It's probably AdBlocks yeah. doing this for me now. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. I think there's a lot for people to learn there. That's a great idea. Um, so you're working on a new product and that's a whole can of worms unto itself, right? You've got companies like Basecamp consolidating because running multiple products is difficult. What's your plan for that new product? And how are you going to save yourself from going crazy by handling it and planning ahead? Um, so we're at the very early stages of, of building out this new SaaS product. And, uh, of course, it's never um, going as fast as you want. Yeah. Um, so... It's, it's very similar. I'm thinking of it sort of like as the next product, right? So the, the current product is BidSketch. This next product is called DocSketch. Uh, it's not up yet. We're, we're just starting to build it. But um, BidSketch is a proposal app. The next product is initially going to be an electronic signature app. Um, eventually, it will be 
it will also be a proposal app. It will be it will be an app for all sales documents, and then we can sort of replace BidSketch with that. And all BidSketch visitors will you know go there to sign up and, and get it get an account. But that's that's a later thing, um, and that's the plan. Uh, we don't know if we get you know because we're just launching strictly as an electronic signature app. We don't know if like that takes us in this way of the crazy direction that we never thought of. Yeah. Um, that's a risk. That's always a risk, but it's okay. If, you know, if there's just like a really strong pull to go in a different direction, then, yeah. then go with that. Um, so the interesting thing is that, uh, this electronic signature category is way different than the proposal category, especially when we started bid sketch, when we started bid sketch, there were no other proposal apps at the lower end of the market. Um, there was there was one uh, that I didn't learn about until uh, it launched, and but they had launched like a few like three weeks before or something like that, and then I ended up buying them um, for really cheap because uh, they sort of were having co-founder troubles and yeah. gave up. Um, but uh, so the electronic signature app has a ton of competition. There's like this big market. It, the market's way bigger. There are a lot of apps already out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the nice thing about that is that I know that there are a lot of people already paying money for uh, this type of product, like mm-hmm. proposal app. That wasn't a. That wasn't. You know, we can say like, oh yeah, people are going to pay for this, and that that didn't exist. Yeah. So figuring that out is, I mean, there's a lot of risk that goes with that. So um, just knowing that there are a lot of apps that do this, it's huge. Don't have to figure that out. Um, Don't have to figure out what sort of things people like, um, what don't they like as far as, you know, the solutions go, because there are a ton of solutions, a ton of people using these solutions. Don't have to think about how big this market is. If it's too niche of a product, um, like we started BitSketch as a proposal software for just for designers. Mm-hmm. That was too niche. Yeah, it took it took time to learn. Like, okay, let's widen that, and then widen it to more, and all that stuff. So there there are a lot of things that we that we're saving here. The uh, the bad part, of course, is that it's super competitive. So it's it's very noisy. Yeah, uh, and uh, like my job now is figuring out a good hook, a good angle. Um, and a good distribution strategy, like a good way to find the right audiences. But that's way easier <laughs> than having to figure out all the other stuff that uh, that figured out before. Yeah. So would the plan then be to just support BidSketch indefinitely, like Basecamp is planning till yep. the end of time? And as yeah, long as everybody's so- happy using it then it'll be there for them you just may not be updating it as much once you shift more focus over somewhere down the road right right. theoretically assuming the plan holds up and you don't yeah switch (laughs) yeah who knows who knows what's going to happen uh but that is the plan uh i could be more sure of that plan if we were doing something uh if the approach was a lot more similar to to base camp and that it was the same brand or whatever but this this is going to be a different brand and company. So we'll see. So what's the motivation to start a new app as opposed to building off of the core of BidSketch? 
Um, so two things. First, uh, I wanted to experiment with freemium. Um, I did it before with BitSketch, and that did not go well at all. Um, and I think almost every proposal app that's that's uh, that showed most of them have tried freemium out and killed it pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't work for anybody. Yeah. Uh, and in this category, electronic signature category, uh, it has worked, and there are a couple that are doing it. One of them that's known that's doing it. Um, so I'm excited about just experimenting and learning, uh, you know, about this distribution strategy. It's kind of weird too because I, I always said the next product that I do would be like one of the big lessons supposedly that I learned from BitSketch was that um, it's tough selling like thirty dollars uh, to customers that pay like thirty dollars a month. Yeah, like the it's easier. Uh, to grow when customers are paying like $100 a month or $200 a month. So I always said like pretty early on, like, okay, I get this. The uh, Because whenever I, pr- I increased prices, we were averaging $10 a month oh, at wow. first. Yeah. And then like we went to $20 a month and then $30 a month. You like yeah. the you best things. That, you triple your revenue. <laughs> oh, man, um, like the best thing for growth. Yeah. Easy, so easy to do that too for growth. Um, so anyway, that was the ceiling, sort of like thirty bucks a month. I tested more than that, but no, we just make more money when we uh, charge that much. So we said next thing is going to be like minimum a hundred bucks a month. Um, and the direction that I'm moving in, at least with this new product uh, the thing that we're doing, is like freemium, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, and initially it's going to be, it's going to be lower than $30 a month. Um, but, uh, the flip side is that like I can, I can, I'm doing it because I want to, right? Because I'm just excited about it, uh, about learning how to do this right. Maybe hopefully, um, this time around. So it's, it's more of a, it's more of a thing about a volume than pricing at a higher price point and having less customers. Uh, I have learned that I'm pretty good at getting volume, so um, I'll try to I'll try to sort of double down on that. Interesting. That sounds scary. I can't imagine going from going to a product with lower prices. Like it seems like I, I've taught myself that thing too. It's like you can't make a good, healthy margin on lower prices. So. Yeah, so I'll be interested to see how it goes for you. (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, a couple of things are encouraging on that front. Um, I think you're right. It's 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 kind of risky. It feels risky, especially after all you know everything that I've learned. But two, uh, one thing is that it's a separate company and brand, uh, and doing it separately, like for me, takes a lot of the risk away uh, from that. Because if we were doing that with BitSketch. That's oh. that's way too big of a yeah. you know to change what we have now and to, no yeah. couldn't do that um, so that helps with it and then uh, one other thing that I saw um, Sean Ellis uh, from Qualaroo uh, he sold that but uh, when he first got Qualaroo which was Kiss Insights I think mm-hmm. uh, he and from Crazy Egg and Kiss Metrics uh, and Neil Patel they had uh, Kiss Insights as well. And uh, they were charging like forty nine dollars a month for that. Um, 
and Sean Ellis bought it and he he went with like I think they were doing freemium but he really went in the freemium direction uh, and just gave away a ton of stuff and I t- briefly talked to him about it when he was doing it uh, and he said yeah I think if uh, if we just give away more on the free on the free product and you know just really push it and get a ton of volume like this thing will grow and uh, he really hit it hard for it was not that long of a period. What was really interesting to me was that um, he he did that and he really tried hard in that direction for about three months or so. And then he, uh, he just got to a point where he said, it's not going to work on this product. And immediately switched and and raised the pricing to like, you know, uh, more enterprise, like, you know, starting at 99 and 250 and $500, like whatever just t- flipped it and shut off uh, no free plan, none of that stuff, and started growing really fast. So it's like um, what I learned from that, just watching him do that, is that uh, you take you take really big swings yeah. early on till you find like the signal yeah. um, of what seems to be working, and it's not permanent. Yeah. You know, I'll try premium and if it doesn't work, then it doesn't just work. Just a little bit of work to undo it and you yep. know, try something else. That's a good, good attitude to have. I think a lot of times it's, and I know even with Sifter, I, I felt too scared to change things like rock the boat because mm-hmm. you change things and it's painful, not just the work, but the fallout and it's hard yeah. work, but that doesn't mean it's not worth it. It's just scary to try it. Yeah. I think, uh, once you have something that's been around for a while, it gets harder and harder to change things because you're risking more. So the time to do really aggressive tests and changes, I feel like are early on. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good perspective. All right. So we're kind of getting close to the end here. So I want to have ask a couple questions. One is if you could go back to day one on bid sketch and do one thing differently. It can be a big thing, a little thing. Um, you know, it could be doing something sooner rather than later. What What would that one thing be that you feel like could really have changed the trajectory of things for you? Um, I would I would have to say that it's that it uh, there would be two things, and not like specific tactics or whatever mm-hmm. uh, to uh, two ways that I'd, I wish my mindset was different. Uh, and first be that uh, in the early days when I was getting, when I started, because it was a ton of work, like uh, to get it out there, then launch it and do a ton of work, email a bunch of blogs, try to get featured and just try to, you know, just get, get traffic and, and, and just, work for work to get, there's this thing with like getting a launch and, and trying to build up momentum and letting people know, Hey, we're out there, like sign up. And, uh, and then getting, starting to get finally momentum and in you know, trafficking a feature our blogs. And then, then, then it was like, Oh, it's working. Okay. And then this blog features us. And the next one, especially back then, like design blogs are all kind of like yeah. related. They see one featuring then the next one does. Yeah. And, um, and then I remember just like, Oh, kind of just like, okay, cool. This is working and it's growing and all that. 
And uh, what I wish I would have done was instead of just letting up at that point, uh, actually say, this is working. Now I need to push even harder. So when you you say letting up, do you mean just stopping the outreach and thinking, oh, this is going to be, you know, a self-sustaining cycle now and I can focus elsewhere? Or did you totally just let up and relax too much? It was uh, not completely. I didn't completely just stop doing things. Um, but when something's not working or when you're trying to gain momentum, Mm -hmm. you're operating at like a, uh, you're moving faster, you're doing more, you're a little right. And, uh, once it starts to work, you get to this point of where you're like, oh, I can go back to what like is normal, whatever that means. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what I learned later on is took a while that like the momentum that you get in those early days is huge. It gives you this baseline that pretty much lasts throughout the whole lifetime of the product. Mm-hmm. And if I would have, uh, you can you can change it later, but it takes a ton of work. It's just so mm-hmm. hard. Uh, the easiest point is really in the beginning. Uh, and instead of like when you're seeing something work, uh, and something is gaining traction and getting covered and whatever, the best thing to do is to leverage that because that by itself makes it easier to get uh, to get more traffic and more customers. And you yeah. can really push on that harder and just build a, a baseline that's, that's uh, at a different level than if you had just stopped. That's a really good point. So that that would be one thing. The other thing is uh, improving the product faster. Um, Anything specific, or just in general, just spending more time improving it and well, like features maybe, or usability, onboarding. So specifically, specifically, we plateaued um, several times. We plateaued at, at around I don't know. Uh, 10,000 a month, then around 20,000 a month, then around 30,000 a month, um, and got past each of those plateaus, but they were sort of, it's kind of like I never addressed the, the, uh, the fundamental issue, the reason why we were plateauing. So instead of like, I'd increase pricing or I'd find like, you know what I, I churn with was you're higher than it should You're increasing be. revenue without improving I'm, the product. I'm getting past yeah. those points, but fundamentally, there's a problem there. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason why we keep hit, hitting those plateaus. And um, I think in the early days, so you know, we plateaued maybe at five or some six a thousand a month. And um, in the early days, just trying to get to where I can I can work on it full time, it's fine. Like. Uh, you know, have, like work around it and do whatever you yeah. need to do to just like be able to go full time on it. But after I hit that period later on, I should have paused at some point and yeah. just, you know, okay, let's take care of the of these fundamental issues uh, that now once you're, you know, uh, you get like 30, 40, 50,000 uh, higher a month, uh, it's, it's harder. <laughs> it's harder to just fix stuff it, it constantly that just, gets harder and harder just, and harder yeah. well and i think that's a great thing too for people to realize because there's everybody hits those plateaus 
Mm. and you get stuck there and it's about finding a way through the plateau. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, sometimes it's quick, sometimes it takes a while. And when you're at a plateau like that, it can really start to, to zap your momentum and your morale to think like, what are, you know, I'm failing. What am I doing wrong? That this is, is this as good as it gets? And right. there's always something you can do, but it, you never know which dial to turn or what to focus on. And yeah. And that, like, I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of apps have uh, plateaued. It's really interesting. I've seen, I've seen uh, a lot of apps that, uh, that are like proposal apps yeah. that are plateaued. So like in the same exact space, serving the same customers, um, because they've like asked me to buy them. Yeah. So, right. Uh, okay. and, and so like, I know the space, I know the apps and I know, and it's really interesting looking at them and, and yeah, at that point, okay, where are you getting your traffic? What does that look like? How, what's your churn? And asking all these questions then saying like, oh, okay, I know exactly why you're plateaued. I know exactly what to do to break it because, you know, we we, we got past that yeah. like long, long ago. I know what your problem is, but they have no idea what the problem is. Yeah. They're, and they're stuck there and uh, they're doing the wrong, they're working on the wrong things that happens yeah. all the time. Um, trying to improve product, trying to... Um, trying to um, uh, increase conversions or something like It's like, you just need, your, your numbers, your conversion numbers are actually a little bit better than ours. You just need more traffic. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, well, the hearts... For developers, that's the last thing. People are like, yeah. oh, whatever. You just make a product and it sells itself, right? If yeah. you build it, they will come. And everybody that I talk to, it's all, you've got to spend a good portion of your time marketing. Whatever marketing is to you, that doesn't mean paid ads necessarily, but marketing, right. growing traffic, getting more attention, getting more people to be aware of your product is just one of the most hated tasks that's so important that everybody tries to avoid. But it's, it feels like it's huge. Yeah. It it's, 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 you know, there are a lot of people that I've talked to that are like 2000 or 5,000 visits a month or something like that. And they're trying to get to a point where it's impossible. Like, with the numbers that you have, you'll never get, like, that's not enough. Mm -hmm. You can't increase conversions enough and reduce churn enough to get you, you can't optimize uh, your growth to get to where you want Yeah. Uh, from that point. No, absolutely. So we're kind of getting long. We've got one last really important question. What is the worst day moment, could be a week, of running bid sketch? <sighs> Through all of this, what happened, and uh, how'd you make it through? Uh, so there are a couple. <laughs> a couple. <laughs> just one, final. just one. Uh, yeah. So probably, yeah, the probably the worst that I felt was uh, early on. Uh, we'd gone growing the product. Uh, finally able to get to like a thousand dollars a month in recurring revenue like that was the first big milestone um and that was like i don't know three four months into it or something yeah. like that and uh might have been like three months into it and and i deleted all of the uh billing data for all the customers oh man so, so the, that was the credit card like payment information or just all the his billing history so they were an authorized.net uh -huh. um, and deleted all of their profiles in authorized.net. So you had to have everybody reauthorize. 
Yeah. And plenty probably didn't. Uh, yeah, but it was way more than I thought would. I just thought like, oh, you thought you were done. This is yeah, that's a pretty big mistake. And, and yeah. Yeah. So kind of that's where ultimately I'm trying to go with this is, uh, I think we've all made that mistake where we're like, you make the mistake and the first 30 seconds you're like, well, this is it. It was nice while it lasted. Right. My business is over yet. That never actually happens. Right. Like it's just a, right. it's just like, you know, you think your business is dead, but really you just got punched in the face type of, you know, yep. you can recover. And so I think one of the most important things for people to realize is have your moment panic for 10 seconds and then get back to work and fix it and you'll be fine. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, these types of business SaaS businesses are surprisingly resilient. Yeah. Like, That's so true. I've messed up a ton of stuff, a ton of stuff. Um, and we're still here. Yeah. Like most of the competitors that we've had, uh, that have gone out of business, they took themselves out of business. Yeah, absolutely. That's, we just, we just lasted longer than they did. And that's, I think that's just business in general. I think mm -hmm. it's easy to give up, to get burnt out, to have founder conflicts, to like businesses shoot themselves in the foot more often yep. than they get knocked right. out of business by a competitor. Yeah, lose interest or mm -hmm. like infighting, whatever yeah. happens all the time. Yep. All right. Well, this has been a really awesome interview. Thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, so many gems in here. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, cool. Any any parting words of wisdom? You think we got it all covered? Uh, I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> You've got plenty. We just already said it. Yeah. All right. That's great. So thanks again. And uh, I'll have this up here in the near future. All right, man. Thanks. Yep.